Prepare your ears, humans. Happy, Sad, Confused begins now. Today on Happy, Sad, Confused, Katherine Hahn on her comfort movie, E.T. Hey guys, I'm Josh Horowitz. Welcome to another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Sammy, I almost qualified that by saying the full title of the movie. Technically, it's E.T., the extraterrestrial. Yeah, but, but it do think, is. Do you think I confused listeners by just saying E.T.? Could, are they, are they now like, what, what is he talking about, that weirdo? Well, you just, you said it just now. So I think like oh, they okay. had a second of freaking out, but now they're okay. So what percentage of the listenership dropped out after hearing just E.T. and was like, what? 75. I don't know what it, yeah. Well, hello to the three of you left. I'm Josh. Yeah, they stuck for the uh, for the Cape Blanchett uh, Chinese <laughs> film. Hey, but when you just said ET, they were out. You better check that movie out if you want some culture in your life, Sammy. Yeah, I do. That's what I need. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I'm Josh. That's Sammy. This is a podcast called Happy Sad Confused, where I talk to actors and filmmakers currently about their favorite comfort movies in this rejiggered, weird new format for Happy Sad Confused in our lovely new world. Um, and like I said, I'm happy to say that Catherine Hahn, or Catherine Hahn, if you want to Catherine go really, Hahn. really classy, <laughs> uh, is the returning guest on Happy Sad Confused. And she is a delight, Sammy. She is I a, love her. Who doesn't love Catherine Hahn? She is a breath of fresh air in, in these dark times. When I saw her face zooming from across the, the country, it just filled me with joy. Unlike right now, the, the kind of sense of dread I feel when I stare at you. Yeah, um, this is awful. <laughs> But I Catherine, just look off in the distance. <laughs> Catherine, you know, of course, from um, I, I, she's great in everything. Step Brothers, Transparent. She, whenever she pops up on a on a uh, in a film or on TV, you know it's going to be good. And certainly, she uh, fulfills that promise with a couple new projects. Um, she's got the new HBO miniseries. I know this much is true. Yes, you're going to watch that one, Sammy. It's a little dark. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, give it to me. I like it. I get dark and depressing right now. Well, that's perfect. That's perfect. Uh, Six-part miniseries based on the best-selling book starring Mark Ruffalo uh, as twins. And Catherine Hahn, uh, I'm only halfway through the series. As of now, only one one role for Catherine, sadly. But, I mean, who knows what happens in the second half of the series. I didn't Um, know that Mark plays twins, so I feel uh, like you spoiled that. It's not, it's not like a big reveal. It's not an, a Shyamalan twist. It's right from the get <laughs> He's got a twin brother. <laughs> she is also, if um, a dark brooding uh, adaptation of a uh, novel is not your speed, well then check out Central Park on Apple Plus. At the end of the month, it is a musical cartoon. Oh. Josh Gad, Kristen Bell, um, a, a ton of great talented performers. It's from the folks that brought you Bob, Bob's Burgers. I also checked out a few of those episodes uh, in our alternate timeline. I was moderating the uh, Q&A for that one at South by Southwest. Never happened. But I'm glad I got a chance to catch up with Catherine and talk to her about that. Uh, those projects, but also E.T., which is just... Uh, a, a stone cold classic, you know it. We everybody loves it. If you have a brain and a heart, you love ET. Um, and she it was really insightful and thoughtful and emotional, talking about um, what she loved about the movie, from the performances, from the music, all the aspects that um, resonated with her and uh, it hit her at the right time as a kid. And now she's exposed her own kids to it. So um, this was a, a really a really great chat and a really good excuse to catch up with her. So I'm glad we made it happen. I so, don't yeah. know. Yeah. I'm so sorry to interrupt you. No, please. Go. I don't think 
children should watch that movie. Oh, that's interesting. Wait, wait, but by children, do you have a cutoff point? I or do you just view all I children in the so, same bucket? I was so traumatized by E.T. as a child. I I had a vision of his his little head going up from like I would be in my bed and I would see his head rise up from the side of my bed. You know how like it goes up and down? Yeah. And like I had a full panic attack on the ride <laughs> with what my mom. What's to do with E.T. than the ride? No, because he was supposed to be in the basket in front and I was so fucking scared of him okay. that his head would pop out of the little basket that we had to get off the ride. And this is this is two years ago. This was six months ago, <laughs> right before Disney closed. But um, then you know, I you're, rewatched you're right. the movie in okay. my twenties and I was like, oh, I get it. You're it's absolutely, not so bad. No, but you're 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 right. And we we actually discuss um not in those crude terms, like you're like a you know, the mouth of a sailor, a trucker, <laughs> but um in more eloquent terms, Catherine and I discussed how yes, it is traumatic maybe is the wrong word but it is it's traumatic is the right okay traumatic is the right (laughs) word um for kids because it is about loss and death and 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 big emotions and if you are not crying by the end then something's wrong with you and i think it, it it's a it's a profound movie for kids and 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 of course it works for us as adults if you still have a child within you know i have embraced my child within Sammy, yeah, I'm, you've yet to embrace your adult. <laughs> your one, adult of, one, within. one of these days. Uh-huh. Let's hear a few um, other um, comfort movies from the, uh, uh, the listeners out there. I ask every week for you guys to send in your own picks for your comfort movie. As always, you can send them to my Twitter handle um, with the hashtag MyComfortMovie, hashtag HappySideConfused. Um, this is Abby Hiddleston. I don't believe that's your given name, Abby. Oh. I, 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 unless, this, unless the whole Hiddleston family is a fan of Abby's Second Fuse, which yeah. I guess is possible. Uh, Abby chooses Raising Arizona. Great call. Uh, Keely McNabb says Weekend at Bernie's. Oh. oh. Ooh, twist. That's a fun one. Elizabeth Smith uh, takes it uh, old school with Singing in the Rain. Great pick. Lovely. Uh, J- James McTavish says Father of the Bride. We'll never know. Is it the original or the remake? Is it both? James, clarify. We'll never know. Uh, Follow Kelly, up. <laughs> Kelly Thurman says, When Harry Met Sally. These are all fine picks. I support all of the listeners and their great taste. Um, so, yeah, so that's my comfort movie. Other things to mention. Uh, I want to mention that I've got a, a busy week of uh, Josh Horowitz content for you on MTV and Comedy Central, um, An Embarrassment of Riches on Comedy Central, Stir Crazy, my uh, com- uh, comedy talk show, continues with the cast of Reno 911. That new episode is up by the time you hear this. It is awesome. Um, the show, uh, they're, they're just amazing improv artists, so as you can imagine, they're hysterical. Um, and then later on this week, very soon, you'll be able to hear my conversation with Alexandra Daddario, another former guest of Happy Sad Confused, and she is, of course, delightful as well. Over on the MTV side, I'm starting to do these Instagram live interviews, Sammy. Do you um, know what that is? <laughs> really, I've never done it. It's okay. You know me too well. I have never done an Instagram live. So, guys, you should check these out if for no other reason to see if I can pull this off. I will. <laughs> so, I'm stealing MTV News's Instagram um, account for the duration of these chats. And like I said, 
I'm just praying I don't mess everything up. But um, yes, tomorrow, or actually we're taping this on Tuesday, but as if you hear this on Wednesday when the episode drops, later on today, um, I'm talking to Beanie Feldstein at 5 p.m. on Wednesday, Eastern Time. Um, that will be great. Her new movie is How to Build a Girl. Uh, and then on Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern, I'm talking to Skylar Aston about Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. So um, really excited to Two catch up Two really with talented people. Way more talented than – I won't speak for you, but we both know. <laughs> I mean <laughs> – but certainly, I guess. More, certainly more talented than I. Uh, the, who knows? Maybe we'll break out into song. Hopefully, them, not me. Yeah, one-sided song <laughs> breakout. You can how's, do spoken word. How's your Friday Night Lights viewing, Sammy? Really good. We're in. Uh, uh, yeah. We're deep in it. I moved through. I was just telling you, I forgot like when the writer's strike was, so the transition from season two to three was very jarring. Right. Like I thought I missed like five episodes and I freaked out. Are you enjoy- do you miss the New York sirens? Can you hear them where you are? That was nice. Sammy? Yeah. That was that's, nice. That's New York character good. for you. I like to bring a little bit of real life into the podcast. I heard uh, earlier there was there I there's like someone was mowing their lawn out there and I was like, whoa, what is that noise? Yeah, you've got there's- dogs and mo you're 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 Americana and I am in an <laughs> urban hellscape. <laughs> <laughs> so it works for both of us, I suppose. Well, enjoy your continued uh, um, uh, first watch of Friday Night Lights, which hey, is... Hey, that Riggins guy is pretty hot, huh? The, the kitsch? <laughs> You're a fan of the kitsch? Yeah, I get it now. What red-blooded man, woman, child is not a fan of the kitsch? That's true. Even the a, dog loves the kitsch. He's a special, <laughs> special individual. Um, okay, enough priddle prattle. Is that a word? Priddle prattle? Nope. I just made it up. Um, I hope you guys enjoy this conversation nope. with Catherine Hahn talking about her favorite comfort movie, E.T., Extraterrestrial. Uh, remember to review, rate, and subscribe to Happy, Sad, Confused. Spread the good word. Use the hashtag Happy, Sad, Confused. Use the hashtag My Comfort Movie. And uh, without any further ado, here's me and Catherine. I'm happy to see a familiar face and hear a familiar voice. It's Catherine Hahn. It's good to see you, Catherine. Hi, friend. Good to see you. Oh, my gosh. Crazy times, crazy times. But it's good to in see reassuring. Zoom boxes. Uh, yes, yes. We're, we're talking in our Zoom boxes. We've, uh, mm-hmm. you, you've been, I don't know if it's any weirder than being in my office, to be fair. At least you get to be in the comfort of your own home this way. No, right, exactly. I don't have to look at your amazing knickknacks, although yeah. they're very distracting. But you've got a lot. You've got a lot of quite a lot of knickknacks in there. As you can see in my home, I actually don't have many knickknacks in the no. home. No, it's all in the office. That's kind of amazing <laughs> that you have a place to put them. <laughs> Thank yeah. God. Well, no, you've got a very minimal decor. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Well, my wife doesn't really support my stupid ways. <laughs> so maybe your office is. Oh, I see. That's my so respite. Maybe, sure. Okay. <laughs> so how are you uh let's just get a lay of the land on how you're holding up what are you what have you settled into a new normal like is there a, a normal yet like is there a routine for you in this new world right I now mean, the second well it was, i mean i i mean uh, i can't even form a sentence I, I mean it's bananas i mean it's we're i feel like we're living we are definitely living in the upside down oh you're freezing up the kids me. they're bo- both in different schools um uh, yeah I mean, we're filled with gratitude and also like paralyzed with what we can possibly do. Like there's this, this, you know, you wake up and it's 4.30 the next day. It feels like the days go so fast. Like time feels very strange. Um, 
we go through, it's the four of us and our two dogs. So we've gone through quite, as everybody's family sure, I'm sure have, have gone through quite some journeys together, some emotional journeys. Um, weirdly, we just saw the lighthouse and I was like, oh God, Cluster, what an amazing, not, maybe not the best movie to watch in quarantine, but it, what an incredible movie. But, a true um, movie for our times, yeah, about oh being God, bundled together in a tight space. Who would have thunk it? I know. <laughs> at least you don't have Willem Dafoe next to you. I mean, that character <laughs> Except, at least. I mean, I would love to have Willem Dafoe next to me, but maybe not the character. But um, uh, yes, yeah, so, yeah, we're holding up. I but mean, you are you I are guess. passing the time by um, by you're still acting because I've seen your masterwork, Glengarry Glen Ross, and you've employed the entire family. <laughs> my, did, my vocal work. I mean, it was so. For those that don't know, you how did this happen? This was like with uh, uh, with you did it with dolls. You kind of recreated was American you, Girl dolls. Oh, sorry, yeah, to be my daughters, clear. please. Mo, my daughter, uh, my friend Matt Shackman, who runs the Geffen Theater. Um, out in Los Angeles was trying to, you know, he started this thing called the Geffen Stay House, which is like another, like, the, you know, a theater artist or whatever would be able to every week put something on, you know, la internet for people to enjoy and keep reminding us that the theater still exists um, and to support those theaters if anyone, um, you know, just a reminder that they're around. And so that this was something we just came up with, my family and I, that I, we just made us laugh. And it took like two seconds. And also my, I mean, my behind the scenes, a lot of tension. My son was a very reluctant DP and cameraman. <laughs> um, he did not so, want to do it, but my daughter was very excited to swear. I was going to say, so were, did she actually get to utter the, I mean, that's oh, as profane yeah. a play really, as there Gavin is. I didn't want to hear it, but we really, she tore up a, she, yes, of course. She grew up overnight, thanks to David Mamet and you. <laughs> Not that she hadn't been hearing those words plenty right. in, in, in this lockdown, but she definitely has heard plenty of language. You're they came saying, out real fast and easy. No, they're, it. It's coming out, yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, so you're saying the Han household basically usually sounds like a David Mamet play on, on any day, especially given the lockdown. It's going. I, I, would say, I would say that's pretty, um, pretty accurate, Josh. Um, as you know, um, we're going to get into uh, our, one of our favorite comfort movies, but I do want to mention that, that thankfully in this dark time, we can at least enjoy the summer of Han. I'm calling it the summer of Han because we, got, <laughs> we have a lot coming on. It doesn't trip up the tongue, but I'm going to take it. <laughs> it's the best I could do. Um, it's really good. I so appreciate it. I'm so flattered. So, <laughs> what am I crying? They're on two different ends of the spectrum. There's something for everybody in the summer of Han, I'm, I'm thankful to say. Um, we've got <laughs> Central Park. <laughs> yes. Yes. Central Park is delightful. It's from the Bob's Burgers folks, which you obviously have an association with. Uh, and I assume that's how this one came about, this animated series. Yeah, Lauren Apple. Bouchard, amazing Lauren Bouchard, who I love. And then he co-created with Josh Gad, who's also like, I mean, that crazy, talented, amazing human. And they, I knew it was going to be a musical, which was really compelling to me. And then I saw the rest of the cast and I was like, what are you talking about? So I, it, I mean, just to be in the same sentence with some of those people is hilarious to me. But they, it's... Um, um, yeah, the music is incredible. Like no, really, really, really legit, yeah. incredible. And it's, um, I, yeah, I'm really humbled to be in that same company for sure. Um, as somebody that grew up just, um, a stone's throw from Central Park, I can tell you mm. it's, it's a near documentary. It's basically oh, okay. exactly, but it is sure. kind of a love letter to Central Park. I, I enjoyed it yeah. on that level. Yeah. Um, and then on the total 
totally other end of the spectrum uh, is, is HBO's uh, miniseries of I Know This Much Is True, which is based on a bestseller, of course, and got quite a pedigree from that. That's um, Mark Ruffalo playing not one, but two roles. Mm. And Derek C. in France, who I've always been mm. a, fan, a fan of. Yeah, me too. Me what's too. His, what's his uh, method? He seems like all his, his stuff is so loose and improvis- seemingly improvisatory. Does it feel like a different kind of Yeah, uh, it way did. I mean, it's really, yes, it did feel, it was pretty improvisatory. Provisatory as much as it could be. I mean, his adaptation is, um, is so beautiful, I think. And the, the original, the source material by Wally Lamb is, um, is a pretty incredible um, piece of writing as well. Um, and it's like, uh, he, I knew I was very, I mean, you know, I was a huge fan of his as well and a huge fan of Blue Valentine. I, I knew that it was going to be kind of an actor's like d- dream. And um, also to work with Mark, who I, I had never worked with before, but um, boy, oh boy, I just think he's magnificent. And I just knew that he was going to just go so all in on this. And um, it was really pri- a privilege to watch. So, yeah, I would say his, his, it's just very, act, it's like performance forward, you know, performance is favored over anything else. It's, right. it's just like the dreamiest. Yeah, the dreamiest for an actor. So- so Blue Valentine is not your comfort movie, nor is it mine, though I love that movie. If that's, I do if that's, love that movie. If that's your comfort movie, that says something about your dark, sad soul, I think. I kind of would love, I love that person, though, if that's a comfort movie. <laughs> it's a complex individual. Yeah, I, I get meet. it. Uh, so we, we have kind of shifted the focus of the podcast in recent weeks because we're all looking for a little bit of comfort, a little bit of escapism. Mm. Um, I asked you for a few titles, and one jumped out at me because it's, it's a comfort movie for so many. It certainly hit me at the right time. Mm. Um, tell us your comfort movie, Catherine. Mm. Oh, what I what I had thrown at you, and the first one that came out, like you know, came out was ET. Um, and for me, I mean, I remember seeing that movie when I was, um, I mean, God, I don't know, but I know I was around my son's age, maybe a little bit younger. And I, I just remember the feeling of first, it felt like a little, like it felt like an opera. That score is so gorgeous. I cannot hear it without wanting to burst into tears. And it just feels, there's something about it that just feels, um, I mean, it's so nostalgic, A. Um, B, just seeing him in that red hoodie at the end. And if you just want to cry, a good, ugly cry, like just a cathartic, beautiful cry. It's the most gorgeous. D. Wallace is the coolest mom in the world with that cat suit on. <laughs> um, a young, amazing Drew Barrymore with those amazing pigtails with the thick, I always remember the thick yarn bows. Like mm-hmm. there's so much of it that just like takes me immediately back to the time when I was a young, um, a young person. And it just, there's something very, uh, and it was like just on that brink of becoming a grown up. Like that, he just was able to capture that so well, um, yep. Spielberg, that Mr. Sp- Steven Spielberg. And, um, I just thought it was like, in my mind, it was like the perfect movie, like beginning to end, like from the beginning when that orchestra starts to the end, when you hear that, like, dum, dum, dum. like, it's like the whole, it's the whole thing as a whole just destroys me. I've seen it many times. Oh yeah. Who hasn't? Yeah. I mean, I coincidentally oh. took my nieces, uh, who I think the oldest was nine a few months ago here in New York, it was playing at a theater downtown and, um, to see it on the big screen again. And it just, it just works. It works. It's, yeah. it's a timeless, it's like our Wizard of Oz of the last 40 years, probably. It's one of oh those God. that will always work. Um, For sure. 
So talk to me about, so I did, I did do the math. I think you were, I think you were probably eight if you saw it when, on its first run. So you were somewhere. I was going to say I was 17. <laughs> you were 36 <laughs> just last year. No. So, so you were somewhere between Gertie, Drew Barrymore, uh-huh. and, and Henry Thomas, Elliot. Yes. Um... Do you remember like, even like, were you relating to both of them? One of them? Did you see yourself in one of those, those kids, do you think? I mean, I think I probably saw myself. I think that Elliot reminded me so much of my brother. Like he looks like my brother, my younger brother. And um, uh, so I think I threw, I think I threw myself right in there. I definitely wasn't Gertie. I wanted to protect. I didn't feel like I didn't definitely didn't find myself in Gertie's storyline, um, but I cared for Gertie deeply. Um, but there's like, I, I think I, I mean, I, my parents sat behind me. I think I, I just remember being able to sit with a couple of friends in front, in the row in front of them. And that felt very big to me. And I don't think I had like cried watching a movie before. And I, I just remember feeling like, I mean, when he is crying also over the kind of body of E.T. in right. the thing, you know, in the refrigerator or whatever, <laughs> the refrigerator <laughs> with the cutout. Right, exactly. Um, I just remember birthday. I mean, I just, I don't think I'd ever like connected that much to a movie either. Like that I had felt, um, that I'd felt it that strongly. Like I, yeah. as a viewer, as a, and, and, and that idea of, it's also so awesome to talk about this now. Like just the idea of sitting in a theater with people, yeah. um, and feeling that together was like, a, I just remember being like a real kind of, I want to say religious, but it was like, I just remember it as being a really deep moment for me seeing that movie the whole way through, like plant dying. Like I still see like there's images that is like, I will never, that are just going to be in, in here till I get, I die. Like those there's, that are so deep in there. Um, it just feels like this, it just feels so safe. I mean, I remember just like every time I would see, uh, when I first moved out to LA and I didn't know what a termite you know, when people would have to tent their houses for termites. Right. And I'd always be like, oh, it's like the E.T. house. <laughs> like, because I would always think of, like, the house shrouded and the thing with the tubes coming out. Oh, I don't know about you. That was, that was the traumatic thing for me growing up. I, re- I will always remember yeah. that scene where yeah. they come in, like, the astronaut, like, outfits. And it's like, what is even yes. happening? <laughs> and I was always like, why did they have to do that? Like, why did they have to come in like that? Like, did he really have to have that mask on that you couldn't even see through? Like, he really knew how to push buttons. Because, like, that was, that was uh, um, always a very terrifying... You're right. It was terrifying. Terrifying. Well, also, it is, like, where you... was the room in their house to put that whole triage center? They now I'm starting to really critique it. But no, I can't. <laughs> no, but you, I think you're hitting on all the right... The, the things that, that resonated with me when I watched it again for the probably 50th time the other day. But, like, I can only imagine how so many kids also first started to grapple with like loss because you are like you're seeing you're seeing death and you're seeing you're seeing him say goodbye to a friend it's like all these kind of things that are are so that that we never get over but especially if it hits you at five or six or eight or ten that's we're still figuring out what what that even means to lose someone Um, yeah the idea of being a parent and having to wanting to protect your child from that inevitability of just like what real life is and what real what pain is and heartbreak and it's just it always to me feels like that edge when he's just standing there looking up and seeing it going away it's always like the edge it just feels like it's like the precipice of 
like the the end of childhood. Like right. there's end like a innocence. that is yep. Yep. yeah, an innocence, and it's not bad. It's just truth. Like there's like he's like the, it's like the light has just been, you know, the it's like the curtains have just been pulled away. There's no, it's not like it's 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 not like a horrible thing. It's just what it is, and that's, that's why I think it's so fucking moving that he ends yeah. on that little gorgeous face like it really just kills me i want to cry thinking about it <laughs> don't cry now <laughs> what am i doing, doing enough crying I'm in recent so weeks probably <laughs> i know all the time verge but, of tears. but another thing you mentioned that i do think like one of the mvps of this film and there's so many to go around but um john williams obviously is always amazing mm. but the score you're right the, the beginning it's about like I, I timed it it's basically basically a silent eight minute sequence in the beginning when it's just we see et you know the ship leaving and the and the the boots of the of the uh, yes. scientists in, oh, in the mud yeah. um that's kind of the operatic opening and then the ending is just is another probably five ten minutes of nearly silent you know very sparse dialogue between et and elliot and just letting john williams do his thing it's just yeah. it's just transcendent it's transcendent and how it builds and like and the rush of i mean i remember going to back here you know, Universal when they used to have the ET ride. Um, do you remember that? Did you ever do sure. that at Universal oh, yeah. Studios? Yeah. Um, you know, that's just, just even that music when he finally goes up into the air with them. Like, I mean, the like exhilaration, like the and just being with your pals, like they, that idea of freedom, like of of finally being able to like be with your pack of buddies, like on bikes and having that like taste of like of total autonomy, like. And summer and possibility, like yeah. it, that, all of those things in one movie, he captured that all, and also responsibility with it, like that they, you know, that they weren't just fucking around. They have like a right. mission. Like I it was just like, I, I yeah. Anyway, perfect. I think it also no, that's what this is for. So um, it also really captures, I and mean, we should we should get into some of the performances because you mentioned Dee Wallace, who's uh, mm. awesome, but the, I, I love Peter Coyote too. Like Peter Coyote, who oh, you yes. see the face of until like an hour in, as the yes. uh, he doesn't have a name even, but he's just so so decent. Like this, it's so not what yes. you expect in a movie like that. You expect this like mustache twirling villain to come in towards the end, and he's. He he was Elliot as a kid. He says like he came to me too. It's just you know he's always oh grown up. god yes. I remember feeling the same way I felt about and this is maybe a weird this is a very weird parallel but I remember feeling the same way about that kind of that kind of character in Thelma and Lu- in Harvey Keitel and Thelma and Louise no, totally. where you you feel like there's somebody that you know that they are kind of an antagonist but you want them you feel their heart and. Because uh, I, I just remember feeling that in, in that in that performance as well, and I so appreciate that as a viewer, and that's a real hard tone to find, and and a relationship to find. Because I mean, I remember as a kid, kind of wanting D. Wallace and um, Peter Coyote to get together. I was like, is it going to happen? Is it going to happen? Like it was just like enough of it. But I was like, they would be the best. You would be such an amazing dad. Like, but I I I think that is such a um uh um such a beautiful thing to to find um well it's also yet, i mean it's also about the film is about an absent father it's like yes. if you, you know it's really a film also about divorce and while we yeah. never see or hear the dad there's that pre- that looming presence of dad in mexico with his new girlfriend mexico and, with his and, new girlfriend. you know and so i kind of get like your instinct to be like oh wait that there's the new family unit yeah we can make it all work again yes and they're even kind of posed together at the end around the 
right. circle with the, but yeah, I mean, I, I also, that's D Wallace also in that. Cause when I saw it again recently, well, they did a big, um, this was a few years back, but the Hollywood bowl did it. They did a live, you know, they did one of those like John Williams, like live. Yeah. Uh, um, that's great. Yeah. Uh, performing while we got to watch it. And, um, I mean, first of all, D. Wallace in that cat suit, just forget it, that that was her Halloween costume. She also kind of turns into another woman in that scene. It's so interesting. Like, a different side of mom comes out in right. that scene. Right. Which I remember as a kid being like, ooh, like, what's happening? <laughs> like, she just gets a little flirty and a little, like, like, she really puts on that outfit and, like, something else is happening to that, to that mother. <laughs> There's also, like, a... But her... I mean, first of all, her face. Her... Her love for him, for all of them, but also her like amazing 80s hands offness, which is like in- so incredible. Like yeah. the um, thermometer scene. Oh, the thermometer like, scene. I-, I don't know about you. I literally tried that when I was a kid. I tried it for sure. Putting the thermometer up against the light bulb, see if you can get it to go above and make yourself, you know, stay at home. Yeah, that was classic. Yes, but I would never have been able to say my parents, I mean, I, you know, that's what she had to do, but she got to spend a whole, like, he got to spend an entire day. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's pretty amazing, the uh, um, uh, kind of, like, surrogate parents those kids kind of had. Like, they already had, like, they had a lot of responsibility, too. Like, they, I mean, they were, you know, the classic, like, 80s latchkey kids. Like, I think totally. I also kind of felt really seen um, uh, as a kid when I saw so that movie. I, I want to mention some of the basics, not that anybody doesn't know everything there is to know about E.T., but just for those that don't remember. So Extraterrestrial. <laughs> that's all I needed. That's all, all I was going to mention. <laughs> Spoiler, <laughs> it's about an alien. Thanks, Catherine. I'm um, sorry. <laughs> uh, it came out June 11th, 1982, of course, directed by Steven Spielberg, written by Melissa, mm. the late, sadly late, but Melissa Matheson. Mm. Um, we mentioned a lot of the cast already, D. Wallace, Peter Coyote, the kids, we should get into the kids a little bit more. So um, mm. it's Henry Thomas as Elliot, Robert McNaughton as Michael, uh, and Drew Barrymore as Gertie. Um, mm. And I think that, um, you, I think, again, you kind of alluded to this also, I think it does capture not only the, the fraternity of kind of like the, the boys club of that kind of group of friends, but even among siblings, like I buy them as siblings. And I also mm. really always appreciated that, um, like when I was watching it the other day, I'm like, he calls him like penis breath at one point. Yeah, like they, they talk like kids talk. They're not yes. sanitized version versions. Of kids. No, or just like random swears, right? Exactly. And then that they're like alliances again, like together and apart. Like I, that felt very real to me. Yep. Like where when Gertie's in on it and where when she's not. And the older brother, like it's perfect that Elliot is the middle child. Um, yeah, he's kind of uh, lost in the shuffle. He's not being lost paid in the shuffle. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, and that they—they, I—I um, I, still thinking about Drew Barrymore's performance also in that, and I know it's been held up to and you know in such hard high regard as a as an incredible like child's performance. Right. But I, I mean, I just think it's an incredible. She's just so incredible in that movie. Like, I mean. Um, uh, just alive, all, all of them, and I, I, all three of them together. And the older brother is great. I can't remember his name. It's, it's Robert also- Mc, Robert McNaughton uh, in oh, the character Robert of Michael. McNaughton. Okay, and yeah, and yeah, I think you're right because like it sells ET. Well, as good an animatronic and a puppet as whatever mm. ET was, you don't believe it unless they are like invested and are crying. They're like it's like yes, it's the reaction shots that make ET work. Yes, exactly. Didn't I remember hearing that there was like a, 
um, um, I wonder how they shot it with those kids. But like, I, I mean, I remember reading something about it, about how he would work with them. But yeah, yeah, and like he, well, it's it's well known also. Like they they talk about um, how he shot a lot of the film, kind of literally from a low angle, from their perspective, mm. very much put putting the viewer, whether subconsciously or consciously, in their shoes a bit. Yeah. Um, but like, and I'm sure you've worked with tons of kids over the years. Like that, it must just make it all the more you appreciate for you as an actor, all the more like how they got these kind of performances because absolutely, this and you just feel it now, like looking back and because I, I mean, I just how that this movie is like like you were saying with like Wizard of Oz. Like I never would even think about it on like a craft level because it was just kind of existed in this other plane in my right. memory. But it is so interesting to think about just like such a small cast, probably set up in some house, probably not the most complicated shoot. Like it just, it would, it just, um, the kind of intimacy that he was able to get with those three is, um, it must've been very, very precious, um, an experience and shoot for them. Cause that, that kind of vulnerability is like, it's pretty rare to see in children. And also just to think about the context of where this came, like, in Spielberg's career. Like, this was his mm. follow-up film to Raiders of the Lost Ark. And there are no, like, there are no name actors in this. Like, Peter Coyote, maybe, I don't know, do people know, maybe they knew him slightly, but probably not. This is, so this is kind of like him putting his chips on the table, like, the confidence that Spielberg had as a storyteller and, and telling a story with D. Wallace as your lead actor. I mean, that's not, yes. it's kind of amazing. And also, I mean, we didn't even talk about, like, how visually this movie has inspired so many other things. Like, one of my favorite photographers is this, is, is this man, um, Gregory Crutzen. But I remember when I first would see those photographs, like, he, every photograph, you feel like you're in those, you know, that shot of the backyard that kind of feels like a backyard, but also, like, the, like somewhere in a plane like you right. can't quite see where the neighbors are right, you feel right, like right. you're like in the middle of nowhere there's that shed with the light coming out and there's that one shot of him just in the lawn chair like holding out the i used to call them reese's pieces by the way too <laughs> they couldn't apparently m&ms made the worst mistake of their lives by they, they came to m&ms first and they're like no thanks bad call that's bad call M&Ms. a horrible call m&ms um but you're right it was my vision I, I grew up in new york city that was like my vision of suburbia like literally uh, like oh that's what that's what it is and maybe to a degree it is um spielberg did that he defined that in a number of films like that's like the so-called amblin film some he directed yes. some he didn't but like he really captured middle america suburbia like no like he defined it for a generation. Well, this was more like, to me, it was almost more like, it was like that idea of that California cul-de-sac, right. that cutout cul-de-sac in the, in just, it would be kind of cut into the middle of basically the, a mountain range so that your backyard was literally like, you, you felt they were like suburban pioneers. <laughs> so you just feel like you had nothing but woods and roads behind you. And it was just like nothing. But then in the front was this very like, cookie cutter neighborhood these yep. really nice houses like suburbia suburbia but like your backyard was still like the wild west and i feel like that was such an um um i always felt very uh grabbed by that too as a as a as a kid watching that to feel because there's still something in your backyard there's still like mystery there's still like sure um unex- something to un- to explore like it's not everything is um uh, you know, not everything is known yet. Like there's so much, there's so much unknown as do a you, kid. 
I assume your kids have seen this film by now. Was it? Do you remember showing yes. this, showing this to them? Did it work for them? Or and yeah, also, oh yeah. Do you as a parent like know instinctually like what age to show a film? Like, is that always a debate? Like, when the right time is to show? You know what? It had been, and we had been really conscious about it until, you know deep into this where we were like, I was like, I can't kind of can't watch another kid's movie for a while. And then, so we started, we've started a little bit of an awesome movie camp, but they're definitely watching movies that are probably wildly inappropriate for them. Hence my daughter's probably <laughs> appetite for swearing. I'm kidding. But I mean, it's been interesting what? to show them movies that are like, you know, just, you know, great movie. Yeah. Cause I remember when I was like, thir- my, you know, my son's 13, 14, but I remember seeing like, some pretty in, intense stuff when I was that age, and totally, I'm defined by that. I'm uh, scarred, but mm. also marked by that. That's what. Me that's too. why I love movies. Is I was totally. exposed to a bunch a little bit too early, but that's how I kind of yes. learned about the world. Yes, right, exactly. So some random um, fun facts to mention. Uh, this was interesting. I found so you mentioned the scene where we where we lose ET. We think ET is, is lost to us. Those are actual like emergency room doctors that Spielberg put in that in that scene just i don't for you just wanted a little bit of authenticity and kind of the the back and forth oh of the that's doctors. so interesting that's amazing do you know harrison ford was in the movie that he was cut out of the movie no he was As like what he was like the principal he was i think we can hear his voice actually in the school <gasps> in scenes. the frog scene i think that's him oh my god <laughs> also one of the most romantic kisses <laughs> it is it's juxtaposed of course with this great uh, scene from a john wayne film and uh yes. the, the music soars and, and the music soars i forgot about that good part yes yeah and et when they start to oh my god i have another tidbit well, i'll tell you in a second but okay. no, go for it i want your tidbit no but like i i there's also that like mind meld part that i have thought of in other in other scenarios that i have that i have um things that I've worked on or other things like creatively like that, you know, that idea I feel like where they, their minds are melted that melded at that moment. Right. Like what um, that connection between the two of them um, is also so mysterious and so, so gorgeous. Yeah. Right. That swirling music and the, well, no, you were, but it's, uh, yeah, that, that line when the the doctor's talking to the brother and he's like, um, E.T. thinks his thoughts, and the brother's like, no, he feels his feelings. That's he the feels connection. his feelings. You know? um, yeah. Okay, so, so here's, here's some uh, semi-rapid fire or not kind of questionnaires. So for you, the best performance in this film, who would you give the award, the, your favorite performance in the film? I mean, everybody's amazing, but I think Henry Thomas is just, like, incredible. That face looking up at the end. But, honor, but like, close seconds, D and Drew. Yeah. What's the best scene in the film for you? We've mentioned a few. What's the one that, that will always stand out? Um, the one that just came to me is when he is crying, again, the refrigerator scene where he's crying over him and then the light comes in to the, and you see that he's okay. But that, like, the, mus- the, the combination of the music, his face, his performance, and then the surprise of E.T. still being... Alive, even though you know when you're hoping as an audience member, the fact that exactly when it comes at that rush of music um, has just always been goosebumps for me yeah. and perfect. When I was in the theater watching with my niece, she turned, she moved next to me. She like came close to me. She's like, is he really dead? I'm like, it's I, okay. It's okay. Wait, it's going to be okay. Yes. <laughs> I had to, re- no. had to reassure her. Yeah, of course. It's horrifying. Uh, should there be, this is, this is a big one because most films, as you know now, get a sequel, a franchise, a remake, something. Is this Mm-mm. hallowed ground? Should there ever be a remake, sequel, anything to E.T.? I think this is hallowed ground, Josh. I really do. 
it's like because also it's so perfect in like you were saying there it's so it is so perfect in it's in exactly where the time that it was made in like that we still are able to to put so much onto this puppet of et and invest so much in this that now we look at and would and clearly it's a a rubber doll laying in a river with like white stuff on it. Right. But like, it's the whole world and that, and E.T. is dying and he's left, you know, and he's left in the Creek with the like white, they put the white on him to make it look like white. But like, I think that, um, uh, that's the magic of it is, yeah. is that it is, it's so in our, for those of us that are older, like it's so in our DNA, um, as like childhood. And it's a, I think it would just, it would talk about an end of innocence if you tried to remake it for sure. Yeah, unless it's about Peter Coyote and D. Wallace hooking up, in which case that you I would want, you be want very that. happy with that. Yes, I wanted them to be mom and dad. Is there a movie that you can think of that would be a good double feature with E.T.? Let's program an E.T. double feature. Oh, Any come to mind. I mean, oh, you know what? Well, this would be like a. There's a couple ones I would suggest. One is that I would suggest District Nine. Because I know that's really weird, but I think that there is something between that relationship, between the, 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 because there is, again, there's something that you are invested in something. I I just, that, that journey felt very similar. This is not a, maybe a a children's double feature. (laughs) Although I did show my 13 year old that and he loved it. But that relationship between that, that father alien and his son is also pretty like you feel it. Sure. And that's hard to do. Again, that was hard to do. I love, and I love the performance of the main character. In that. that was unexpected, but I like it. I would, I would, I would okay. say just don't do Mac Close and encounters. Me. Have you ever seen oh, Mac yeah. and Me? Mac and Me is the ripoff, of course. That's um, the one. I don't remember Mac and Me. I don't know if I've ever seen it, but do you, you know, that's like Paul Rudd's like go-to yeah. clip on oh, Conan. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it was basically infamously the, the, <laughs> the easy ripoff that was basically sponsored by like McDonald's. It was literally like yeah. a commercial for McDonald's. Big Mac and me. Exactly. Um, I would also, oh, yeah. I would say also Close Encounters would also be really interesting just to hear, I mean, if, if you wanted to go that perspective of just seeing like of, of this, a similar terrain as it were that um, Spielberg was exploring. Um, totally. Totally. Yeah. Spielberg at the height of his powers. Not that he's lost that many steps, but he's oh my uh, god, not the at best all. Of it. Um, okay, I'm going to let you go, Catherine. I do want to mention um, not only Central Park, and I know this much is true. You, by the way, have made some comfort movies for all of us. Step Brothers is obviously a comfort <laughs> movie for many. <laughs> yes, <laughs> for sure. No, there, there is something just to like sit back and watch some anarchy and those genius two gentlemen that I exactly. I listen. I've seen it again since I've been in this with my children. And I, and I think uh, a new uh, addition to the Comfort movies is, uh, is a Spider-Man. Spider-Man's probably a new... Uh, yeah. People are loving that one. Um, so, okay. So we'll talk again soon, hopefully in better times. Hopefully we'll talk about these projects. I want to pester you more about WandaVision. Did you, get, did you guys finish WandaVision, at least before all this madness? There's some, uh, some bits to be done, but okay. um, we were lucky enough to get... Yeah, but there's okay. some stuff. Okay, yeah. can't wait to see that one. Um, oh. I'm glad this gave us an excuse to catch up and distract ourselves. It's from so the world good outside. to see your face. Same. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. to just like wax about this movie for a second was was medicinal. Thank you. So Thanks thank as you, always, Catherine. All right, I'll talk to you soon. please take care. And so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Remember to review, rate, and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. 
I'm Daisy Ridley and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh. <laughs>